the word I'm looking for, just an extra sense or a quickening of your spirit to know him. And so come with me to Psalm 46. And I'm going to base um, most of my message out of this passage. But I'm going to pull it apart, one particular part of it, and rip it. called this message, are we striving or are we resting? Okay, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. Everybody say that. A very present help in trouble. Didn't mean you repeat after that, but anyway, that's cool. Isn't that awesome? A very present now. God is a God of the past, the God of the now, the God of the future. He's outside of time, which means he's always present. What he's spoken is now, because he's outside of time, although it is in the future. His reality is now. Does that make sense? Maybe not. I don't know. Therefore, we will not fear. Everyone say that. That's a statement. I'm not going to fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, this is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The God of Jacob is your and my stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. Say that to yourself. I'm going to cease striving and know that I... Uh, <laughs> cease striving and know that He is God. That would have come out all wrong, wouldn't it? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Seven or eight times in 11 verses you see God is with us. The God of Jacob is your stronghold. He is our refuge. He is present now, with you now. That's pretty cool. And then he says, cease striving And know that I am God. Who? God. The God that raised the man from life after four days. And he waited. The God that said, you know what? I'm going to speak this into being and in six days creation will be complete. The God that holds the universe in the palm of his hand. Now if you know how big the universe and the galaxies are, that's pretty trippy. Not just you and me. 
the galaxies in the palm of his hand. Cease striving and know who I am. Because if you get a picture of who I am, you will stop striving. Stop living for you, stop trying to figure it out, stop, you'll just come to a place of rest. Why? Because you know the God of the universe of creation. And I know, and I know for me, and shared a little bit of testimony this morning of cease striving. What does that even mean? The word cease means to stop. Cease fire. Stop firing. You don't get more final than stop, do you? A little bit of a chaos of we don't stop on red lights causes catastrophe, doesn't it? How many people uh, failed to give way today? If we don't stop at intersections, at stop signs, collision. You know what? If we don't stop striving in our own strength, catastrophe, collisions, frustrations, disappointment, disillusionment, death. And the God of the universe says, cease striving and know that I am God. What is striving? The word striving means to make great efforts to carry on conflict. Every time we strive in our own strength outside of the will of the Father, we are in conflict with Him. Every time we choose to do something by our will over His, there is conflict between heaven and us. It's just beautiful that He's so loving and gracious and merciful. But if we can see this, it will change our reality if we can see that God is this perfect loving Father that wants the best for us and so he's given us his blueprints and designs and ways in which to function, then we will stop cease from striving and, and, and our own and doing our own thing and submit willfully to him, which would alleviate the conflict. Where's the conflict? Right here. Right here. It's not in him. It's us. He has the best for us. No different to me and Danielle and our children. We have the best for our children. They struggle to see that. And we struggle to see it with him. And so we continue to strive. We continue to control. We continue to build things that aren't of him. We continue to go after relationships that aren't of him. We continue to go down pathways that aren't of him. And we wonder why we end up frustrated, disillusioned and disappointed. And then we turn around and we, then we blame him. We're all guilty. I'm guilty of it. We have a culture within us in our old nature and a culture that we live in which strives to accomplish something, don't we? Set goals. What are we going to do? How are we going to lift the, the profit margin? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? We strive in our career. We strive in sport. We strive in relationships. We strive in finances. We strive uh, in our relationship with God. And the church strives in leading God's people. So the question is why? Why do we strive? And one of my thoughts, because we don't know the Father 
or his ways well enough to fully trust him. I believe one of the reasons why we strive so much is because we don't have an intimacy of the Father, a good revelation of the Father and his ways. We don't have that well enough to fully trust him. If I don't know him, how am I going to trust him? What will rule is whatever's bigger in me. If I'm in control, I will trust me. That's why John said, God, you must increase and I must decrease. The more of him, the less of you, the more you can trust him, correct? No different to anything else. I'm weighing up this chair. Can I stand on this chair? I make an assessment. I know the person that made it maybe. I look at the material and I go, I can trust in that. Do I know this man here? I've walked with him for three, four, five years. I've got to know him. I've got to know his faults. I've got to know his strengths and all those things. Can I trust him? Can I trust his character when he speaks, when he speaks life into me? Can I trust it that his heart is one of love? Yes. Why? Because I've walked. I've had intimacy. We've walked together. And so this is why it's in a season of knowing him. Notice how it says in the Psalms, cease striving and know that I am God. There is an integrated, inseparable connection between knowing the Father and his ways and you and I stopping striving in our own strength where we are in control and trying to make things happen which leads us into frustration, heartache, busyness and we end up carrying burdens that we are not graced to carry. Two and a half years ago, just after God, I entered into a, into a process. And you've heard part of this, but God said to me, Greg, I'm going to dismantle parts of you. There are parts of you that aren't aligned to me. Now, you're unaware of that, son, but we're going to go on a process. Do you want to come? And it was like I had a choice. So I could stay in my partly messed up state thinking what I knew and having that or I could choose to enter a journey and be broken down to be dismantled and then put back together. And I made a choice to go on a journey. I made a choice to go, yep, let's go. No matter how hard this is, I made a choice. And God said, okay. And parts of my thinking, parts of my mindset, part of the things that I thought it meant to maybe... Help God build his church, started to get broken down, started to get looked at. God started to reveal things. It wasn't a nice process to, you know, the things that you think are right, have them challenged and you journey with God to realize, you know what, you had them wrong. And then he said, then I'm going to remantle you, I'm going to put you back together, I'm going to, like a Lego set, we're going to build it right back. All of you, but some of you. Some of the, your thinking's not quite aligned to the fullness of this. And you know what he said then? Then I'm going to dismantle the rock. Because part of the rock's mindset needs to be dismantled and put back together again. And it's not just happening here, it's happening around this country, it's happening around the world. For those that 
are open to it and for those that will walk in it and for those that want him and love him. He wants to dismantle us and I believe he's been doing that for the last two years. And he is putting back in a greater reality of who he is and his truth. Because he said, you know, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. And I thought I knew what that meant. I thought I had a good revelation of that until I entered into this process. And then you realize, I realized in my leadership I was striving. In areas of my, in my life and leading you guys, I was striving, trying to get a whole lot of people doing things that I thought they should be doing. And the reality is we actually should be. But from what place are we doing it? And God started to show me that, that we needed to do it from a place of intimacy. We needed to do it from a place of actually knowing him and being led by him. Not just because this is what the church does, because we are, conf- we are so um, caught up in doing. I was caught up in doing. Now, I came in the right door, but in my leading, I wasn't leading the right way. And God started to show me and break this down, which hurt. But you know what it's done? I tell you today, I am freer than I have ever been. Now, I've got to believe there's more freedom to walk into because I thought I was free before. But I'm in a place of freedom. I feel so light. I feel so energized. I feel like literally this burden, you know, because that, that is to be a truth. That's not just a, a, a nice, pithy statement. If we're not walking, if we, if we don't, if his burden is not light, his yoke isn't easy, there's something wrong. It's a sign that there's something wrong. You don't go, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus and I'm carrying all this and God, this thing's killing me, but anyway, for you, Lord. No, his way is easy. It's light. So we've got to ask ourselves, how do we, that's the question I ask myself, how do I carry your heart without it killing me? How do I carry this thing that you put in there, I didn't choose it, you put in without it killing us? How do we, as his people, carry what he wants us to carry a burdens that he carries without it killing us or destroying us it's in him and the more you know him the more you know how to do that the more we know him because everything is contained in him everything is contained in him he didn't just pay for our salvation at the cross he paid for everything at that point Our inheritance was paid for at the cross. The power of sin, not just our our nature, the power of it to control my people was bought at the cross. That we can truly overcome. It's not just a nice statement, it's truth. Why? Because he's trying to bring us to freedom. But if we are striving in us, how many people are like, that's not a place for freedom? That's a place of bondage. That's a place of weight. That's a frustrated place to be. And I'm convinced this is how burnout happens in leading and leadership in the body of Christ. I'm convinced of it, that we can't quite fully see what it means when Jesus said, I will build my church, so we think we need to give him a hand. We think he's not capable enough of doing it, and so we take over. We start building things that aren't necessarily or doing things that, we're not supposed to be doing, but we do it in the name of Jesus. And it's not that we intentionally know that, but because we 
haven't quite seen the fullness of him or understand him and his ways, we find ourselves carrying things we're not supposed to. Because following him, his teaching is light. It's easy. The Pharisaical, the Pharisees were the ones trying to burden God's people, trying to burden, put these, these weights. How do we carry his heart for his purposes without it squashing us and killing us because as his followers, as we are to carry and care about the things he cares about. I am convicted that the answer lies in knowing him and his ways and dying to me and my ways. We have to have a sublime confidence in God's compassion and sovereignty that he is in total control of every situation that we face because this will save us from starting self-initiated activity, which we strive in, and our own strength, which is in conflict with him, and also from becoming premature saviors of the world. My thing is, but God, there are all these people, and they're going to hell if they don't hear about Jesus. I need to go into the world and make a difference, and I need to get the rock in the world making a difference. Yes, but, and that's a big but, not a little but, it's a big but. Greg, do you have a sublime confidence in me that I have that all under control? Do you have a sublime confidence that I could do that and all that could take place? Because if you don't, you know what? You're going to start self-initiated activity in your own strength and your own power, which is going to burn you out and burn my people out. Because the words Jesus said, he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. So hear me, are we called to make a difference? Yes. But how we go, the position and the place in which we go is critical, we understand that. It's absolutely foundationally critical how we go into the world. I've just been away at a conference and it was awesome. And we talked about, you know, we want to transform cities. We want to see the nation for Jesus Christ transformed. And the church is this and the church is that. And I went, yeah, it sounds all good. Sometimes I struggle to get people here at 10 o'clock. How are we ever going to transform a city when we can't even do some of the basics? We can't even get our own lives in order with you. But then this thing dawned on me. And I don't say that, I just, this thing dawned on me. It's a transformed person that goes Christ in them into a city and makes a difference. You don't transform somebody by telling them to go into a world if they're not transformed. They get transformed by spending time with the Father, a revelation of the Father, a revelation of the Father's love, the transformation of His love. Now we go, and now there's incredible impact. Why? Because the one you're representing, you know. You just haven't got some words that you're trying to spill from, oh, you need to know. that. No, no, literally Christ in you shows up, and He gives you words in the moment, and it has power. Why? Because you know Him. That's... So I've told you this before. My vision now is to lead people to the Father. And then it's up to Him what happens. You know how freeing that is? It's up to Him to meet your needs. It's up to Him to look after you. It's up to Him to do the thing. That's why we know to go to Him first, not, not one another. Him first. And then our brothers and sisters. 
There are things that God wants to do in our lives, guys, and we are putting band-aids over them, going to our brothers and sisters. No, we need to go to Him. Our brothers and sisters, they'll walk with us, not carry our bombs or our burdens. He is the one. And it formulates in different things for different people. So I have a question for us, thinking about this whole thing of self-initiation and thinking, you know, oh, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Here's a question. I wonder how many of us, including myself, would have ran to the aid of Lazarus when the call went out instead of waiting four days, resting in him and then going in the Father's timing. How many of us would have presumed God is going to heal now, so let's go and operate it from a place of striving, even though the intention was pure? You see, there was this human pressure, human need. You need to come. We need to go. And Jesus said, no, we don't. We're going to sit here for a while. I'm going to enter into my Father's rest. And there's all this chaos happening around me, but it's all good. Why? Because I'm in control. Cease striving and know that I am God. He knew that. He knew his father was in control. He knew his father had everything worked out. He heard, no, you're going to do some work here, son, first, and then you're going to go. And he turns up. And we know the story. He calls out Lazarus. Incredible. But would I have been tempted just to run in my own strength? intimacy, knowing him, being able to hear his voice and obeying his voice when he speaks, not my own. I heard this saying recently, we have to resist the temptation to give Jesus a hand in building his church. Now once again, we have a role to play. We definitely have a role to play. We're going to talk more about that, but we have to make sure that we are not ahead of him. And it's not like it's this far apart. It's not like it's two, three, five, ten metres apart. It's very close, which makes it even trickier. But I realised in part of my leading, and if you were here about a year and a half ago, I repented for that in front of you guys, was that I was a little bit ahead of him in the way things are happening or were supposed to be happening. Because here's, here's my problem. Here's man's problem. When I say man, I mean both male and female. We have this insatiable, inbuilt need to do something. And man looks to fulfill this need wherever he goes and it is put there by God. So it's put there by God but we must learn to die to this need that we have and lay it at the foot of the cross, submitting it to the Father and allowing Him to define what this will look like. Do you understand that? This need is put there by him, especially men. Men find their purpose in doing things. Is it wrong? Not 100%. No, it's not wrong, but is it aligned? Are you finding your purpose in doing this or in him? And so we need to submit this insatiable need that we have to do to the foot of the cross and leave it there and then come forward knowing we're now aligned to him. Why? Otherwise you make sandwiches that he never ordered. Mary and Martha. Where should Martha have been? Next to her sister. Where was she? 
making sandwiches in the kitchen for lunch when Pizza Hut was on the way. Why? She was anxious. Got to be doing. Oh, got to be doing. Got to be doing. Oh, 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 can't rest, can't rest. No, no. And then she points the finger at her sister. Hey, Jesus, the lazy bum sitting down. Can you get her in the kitchen buttering the bread? No, you're the one at fault. But I'm making sandwiches for you, Jesus, you ungrateful. Come and sit at my feet. I can't because I'm striving. I'm striving, I'm striving. Got to get it done. Got to get it washing out. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this. Gee, the size of my home. Better polish up. Anyone else like that? Out of alignment. We strive because we're anxious. We strive because we worry. We strive because of fear. We strive because of lack or loss. We strive because of insecurity. We strive because we don't feel worthy or accepted. We strive because we want to be recognized. Cease striving and know that I am God. See, if you know who God is, you know who you are. Our identity is in the Father, not in anything else. If you don't know the Father, you really don't know who you are. It's a flow-on effect. Everything is found in Him. Everything. Absolutely everything is found in Christ, in the Father. Our identity as a son, receiving the revelation of our sonship. The act of dying to self, to this insatiable need to be doing, brings us into an alignment with Him and frees us from striving in our own strength and capacity, which gives us an opportunity to trust Him, which leads us to coming into this new reality of Him, not striving, which remember is conflict, but resting in Him. Listen to what Arthur Katz wrote in his book, Apostolic Foundations. We are a generation that is so ministry-minded, so doing-orientated, that we have no concept for and no disposition to see the extraordinary investment that God requires in the preparation of his servants. God sets his premiums on what we are, not what we do. If the doing does not come from a place of being, then it is not authentic. Wow, that is powerful. Now once again, I want to make this very clear. Are we called to do the purposes of the Father that he has laid out? Yes, his purposes for our lives as a corporate and as individuals. But from what place or position do we do it? Are we accomplishing the works that God has already ordained for us, which Ephesians 2.10 talks about, through our own personal striving and strength or are we doing it through our resting in Him? Because this is where the answer lies to how we stop striving. So how do we cease from striving? Number two, just two points today. 
we make a conscious decision to enter into his rest through an act of faith. Who can tell me what the fourth commandment is in the Bible? Not up on the screen, by the way. <laughs> the fourth commandment. Follow the Sabbath. Thanks, Peter Chu. Follow the Sabbath, the day of rest. God gave us this for our own benefit, didn't he? It was for us that he gave us this. There were consequences for not keeping the Sabbath in the Old Testament. You were killed if you didn't keep the Sabbath, the day of rest. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying here. Because I'm saying something beyond just keeping a day of rest. Why do you think the Pharisees were so angry when Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath? What are you doing? You're working on the Sabbath. We're supposed to be resting. When they picked the grain, what are you doing? You just read, you can, you can feel the venom, you can feel the anger coming through. This thing that God had given us, which was for us, has become this law, this, this thing that was like a sledgehammer. What did Jesus say? I've come to fulfill. I am the fulfillment of this incredible life-changing law. See, the law was put in place to transform us, not to condemn us. And at the heart of the law is love. Jesus is the completion of it. But man turned it into something we'd smack people over the head with. The law was put in place to lead us to him. Life. There should have come life from the law, not bound and, 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 and pressure, but life. Why? Because Jesus was the completion of it. He said, I am the Sabbath. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. The rest was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Rest in me. I am the Sabbath, is what he's saying. I've come to complete it. Everything is now in me. The more you know me, the more you rest. And you stop striving from your own works. Everything is contained within me. You go to Israel today, pushing an elevator button is considered working. It's a bit crazy, don't you? Take the stairs. I don't know. Is that considered working? There you go. The problem is the Pharisees missed completely the reason behind the day of rest. And like with everything they did, they turned it into a burdensome religious law that bound people instead of freeing them, which meant they were in conflict to Christ and his way. When he stood before them, he said, you guys, you search the scriptures looking for me, I stand in front of you. That scares me. I don't know how you do that. The one that you've been purposely waiting for, they didn't want to miss him. They were waiting, hungering, 
And we know what happened. That's how much they hated him. The reality is, though, we can be and do exactly the same because of our wrong mindsets and our religious attitudes. Jesus said the Sabbath, the day of rest, was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The law was always meant to bring life to people and not death. But in the hands of religious people, the law brings death. The law was put in place to reveal our nature and lead us to him, not as a tool to burden people. We have to move away from a set principle to a living reality that is at work within us. So you can keep a day religiously and have no rest. You can have a Sabbath day, not going to do anything, and you have no rest in your life. Why? Because it's not within you. It's in Him, not in a principle, not in a religious tradition or outworking. It's in Him. We can come here week in, week out, and not know Him. Why? Because we don't enter into His rest. I said at the start, knowing Him. My heart is, as a community, we would journey together, committed to one another. Clay preached this great message last Sunday night. Galatians 6.2 says, We carry our brother's burden. We walk together with that. We, we walk together, and we walk together. We are fulfilling the law, the great commandment. Let's get to know him together. Let's not sit there on our own thinking we can figure it out, because we can't. Let's do it together. Because everything's found in him. When we enter into him, which is our rest, and know he is God, we cease from striving to do things our way. But when we fail to enter into his rest, meaning entering into him and his ways, then there can be serious consequences for his people. One of those... The time we won't, I'm just going to, I won't read it, we'll go over it, is Exodus 32, 1 to 9. So maybe write that down. Exodus 32, 1 to 9. It's the story about the Israelites building a golden calf. Why did they build a golden calf? They have journeyed with God, they have seen certain things. And yet, Moses is gone for 40, da- 40 days and in their ultimate wisdom, they go, let's build a golden calf and we'll worship that. How strong is this insatiable need in us to do something, to strive in our own strength to create something that's not of him? We read that, we can't read that and go, oh, well, that's just history. Man is man, and the same nature that's in them is in us. I look at some of the things happening in the body of Christ, and I go, you are got to be kidding me. Now, I want to love that because I've realized in my own walk, in a roundabout way, I've been part of it. Some of the things that I was doing, in my limited revelation and thinking, I am guilty of. And so my heart is to pray and to love. But these people create this golden calf. What's even worse is that the pressure sometimes is so great from the mass 
that even Aaron, who became the first priest, submitted to it. Didn't he? Let's do this. So he says, okay, get me some gold earrings, some gold, put it in a fire, and we'll make this calf. You know what he does, though, when Moses comes down, who's a little bit ticked off? What does Aaron do? He wimps out. You know what he says? He's the one that made it, and he says, it just jumped out of the fire. (laughs) This need in us to do, placed there by God, can we submit it to him and be defined and aligned by him and in his time? If we will, we will walk in freedom and joy and peace and my burden will be easy, my yoke will be light, but if we don't, it'll be a weight, it's in conflict to him. Do you know what happened to some of the people? God was going to destroy them. And Moses, in his love for the people and God, says, no, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. So God's like, But what ends up happening is Moses comes down, he says, Who's going to be separated? Who's coming over this side of the camp? A whole lot of people came over. He said, right, boys, Levites, get your swords on. We're going back. 3,000 people killed. Now, is that just Old Testament teaching or is that for us today? Because this is one book. Mm. By the grace of God, he doesn't strike us. His love, His grace, we're under this thing called grace. But you know what? There are consequences, and we live in the consequences. Heavy burdens, pressure, because we make our own choices, and I know I'm in control, and all it brings is weight and burden and tears and heartbreak. Our inability to die to ourselves and enter into His rest, which is Him, has us building golden idols, not calves, but idols, in our image, alternative options that we want that replace him and his will for us, but things that are always second best for us. You know, I've shared this a while ago, but when Danielle and I were were seeing one another, I really believed that God had spoke to me about it. I truly believed that that, uh, I was going to marry Danielle. and um, There was timing that, that was going into that. I had to, you know, the, our timing when we met it wasn't quite aligned. I knew that. And then we went away to um, Australia to actually get engaged and we came back broken up. Fascinating story. Um, you know, you think one thing's going to happen and whoa, didn't see that one coming. <clears throat> but I had this conviction that I, I don't understand this. I heard your voice two years ago. My reality today is different than what, I, what you spoke to me. I had to cease from striving. Because you know what? My one nature wanted to go ring her up. Oh, I'm sure you've got this wrong. Come on. You need to change. You need to love me. Oh, God's spoken to me. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to... Can't you see how good looking I am? Can't you see my cool shoes? Can't you see this, this incredible man in front of you? Woman, wake up. I could have striven to try and make it happen. But I chose to trust in him, enter into his rest, and go, God, it's finished. And I closed the door. 
And I said, if you want to open it up again, you will in your timing, but the door is closed. I asked for the ring back. It's finished. You don't see a good thing when it's in front of you. <laughs> Go find some other muppet. <laughs> Sit like a peacock. <laughs> I mean, I only took her three months later, she was back. So I was like, no. <laughs> the, point, the point is this. Sorry, it's my sense of humor. Um, I had a choice to try and make it happen or to enter into his rest. I chose his rest, which means we weren't in conflict. Daniel had time to process what she needed to process and God would speak to her and then God reunited us. Here we are 10 years later with two beautiful children. Enter into his rest. Moses has only been gone 40 days, guys. 40 days. And they created this monster, this alternative option. The problem with alternative options that become idols is that they are very attractive. The one that was built of gold, this one was built of gold. On the outside they look the part, but at the core they are lifeless and they never satisfy us. It's very hard to let go of the alternative options or expectations we build or create or strive to accomplish because if they have been built with our blood, our sweat, our tears or our mindsets that we have established as truth or in a way which we think it should be done, very hard to let go. Hence, don't go there. Stop striving, enter into his rest. The only way to break these patterns and be released from the bondage and the blindness which they hold is to make a conscious decision to enter his rest, trusting in him, through an act of faith which starts with repentance. Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I turn to you. Revelation comes. Show me. Our willingness to enter his rest, which is Christ and his way, his truth, because of our... Oh, no, sorry. I'll leave that on there. Israelites didn't enter into the promised land. Hebrews 3 and 4. Why? Because of unbelief. It says they didn't enter into his rest. He was there, moving through. Go have a read of 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 14. He was there. Jesus was there. He's always been here. Didn't enter in through unbelief. They were always trying to go back. Incredible. See the miracles. See the stuff happening. Oh, whinge, whinge, whinge. Let's go back. What are they going back to? Bondage, slavery. It wasn't that good. Faith to go forward. See, it requires faith to go into the unknown. It requires faith and a letting go of control to get out of the boat. It requires an active choice of your faith to enter into his rest. And some did and some didn't didn't. How does this relate to us? Well, we've talked about, there was just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, there were five foolish virgins that didn't enter into the wedding banquet. Why? They had intimacy issues, trust issues. Who are you? I said they were ten followers of Jesus. There is an inheritance 
at the judgment seat of Christ. It's a judgment for rewards. At that judgment seat will be determined our inheritance. That's why it's so important we are living a life now on earth now that is a life of obedience to love, faithfulness, being watchful for his return, persevering to the end, resting in him. Our lives now are going to determine our inheritance in the future. And I'm not talking about heaven. That's a done deal. I'm talking about the millennial reign of Christ, where Christ will reign back on earth for a thousand years, and he's invited you and I to reign with him. The invitation is open. It's whether we want to grab it. That's why we've got to stop striving in ourselves and trusting in him. It's about him. And it's the hardest thing to do because we want to be in control. Because why? Because I know myself more than I know him. And I know I can control that. And it's the very tearing away that he's trying to do right now. Would you know me? Come to know me. In me, everything is contained. Peace, joy, wholeness now, your future, all those things is in him.